Hi, I'm the confidently awkward protagonist of every Netflix teen rom-com, Condé Nasty. And I've also reached a point where I can no longer tell if this is via Legiblets for the cats. Hersel of the Sea Bitch. And this is Reading Drag Race, the show where we talk about whatever we want. But mostly RuPaul's Drag Race. Hey, Hersela, how you doing? I'm, you know, okay. You know? <laughs> okay, yeah, that's... <laughs> I get it. I like that your hair has gone from you really should do a live stream dramatic reenactment with more drama of and uh, bitterness of Elaine Stritch's one-woman show to now you are shaved head and could do a reenactment of Sasha Velour's one-woman show. <laughs> but without all the production and talent... Oh, whoa, whoa, that's that's taken as red. Um, no, my, my goal is to be able to do all every woman's one woman show in sequence. It'll be my new YouTube channel. I think it'll be very popular because we're going to be here long enough for me to achieve that. <laughs> I'm very excited. Um, this week, we have a very special guest who has a thing for ornithologists. Please welcome return guest Valkyrie. Hello. So happy to be back thrilled to have you. I'm so excited to get your take on this episode because there's a lot about it that stood out for me and that I really like. There, there's a there's a lot about this episode that stood out to me for you specifically that I'm very excited to talk about. Yeah, no, I'm <laughs> thrilled to have you here. But first we should get into the cast uh, announcement for All-Stars 5. Um, so the complete cast includes Shea Coulee, Miss Cracker, Mayhem Miller, Juju B. Mariah Balenciaga, yes? Yes. Uh, Blair St. Clair, Derek Barry, Angina, Alexis Mateo, and India Farah? Yes. Yes. So, ladies, what are your thoughts? I'm fucking excited. Um, I, on the one hand, I kind of wish they were giving us another week or two between shows, because we're going to need to stretch this out. Um... But on the other hand, I'm not mad about seeing six, seven of these people again. They're very excited. Yeah, I am super looking forward to it. I feel like most of these were expected. But what I'm really excited for is that there are no queens from 11 or 12. Um, Same. That stood out like, to me right away. They Those girls need the time to hone and evolve and show us something right. different. So super right. smart move. I also love the amount of earlier seasons that are represented on this. Um, and I know they kind of went to the well too many times in, in a lot of <laughs> the former seasons, but um, this looks like a lot of strong queens that I'm excited to see what new they have to present yeah. us. Maybe caveat, not Derek Barry. Um, but, <laughs> we'll, and, we'll get to her. Yeah. Um, I'm going to say... I love that with now Alexis and um, uh, Jujubee, we've just, it is taken as read that All-Stars All Stars 1 has been retconned out of existence. It just didn't happen. I'm very happy about that because it was uneven. It was uneven. I think it was an experiment that they got next to no money from. And I think the fact that it was by and large a failure is acknowledged. And now it's more of a punchline and not a disqualification from being in an All-Stars season yeah. of current All-Stars. I wouldn't say it's like, it never happened. If anything, it's like a train wreck we'll, we'll all never forget. Fair enough. Uh, I, I'm going to say I'm, I'm probably most excited about Shay just because she's 
a fucking amazing queen. And I'm very excited about seeing her compete again. Um, but the one that made me, like, smile the biggest was Angina. When she walked in, I was so happy. That, like, beautiful, gentle soul. I just, I, I'm just, I hope the world has been kind to her these last ten years. And I'm very excited to see her again. Same. Uh, 100%, those are the two I'm most excited to see. Um, and then a close three and four would be Jujubee and Alexis Mateo. Um, yeah, yeah. Just, like, I loved all of them on their original seasons, and I'm excited to... Especially uh, Angina and Alexis Mateo, who haven't been as public as some of the other... Like, yeah, yeah. Uh, Mariah, Jujubee, Blair, I feel like have, Ms. Cracker have been out there doing lots of things, so I'm familiar with their current styles, but less so... Uh, Angina, Alexis Mateo, and even India. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I am very excited by this cast. I do think this is what, like, all the, the sort of spoilers and the predictions were saying in terms of the cast. Um, I'm also, I fucking love Shea Coulee. The few times I've, like, seen her out and about, I, like, pause and, like, watch her walk across, like, on the other side of the street from me in Andersonville, like, totally in boy clothes and conspicuous, like a creepy stalker, just because I am in awe of her. <laughs> um, she she is phenomenal. I think she's going to be super, um, I mean, she did so well her first time. For me, she's somebody where it's like, you really, like, don't have to come back and prove anything to us, but I'm so excited to see more of you. Um... Yeah, I'm I'm very excited. I also hope that both Jujubee and Angina, um, I expect that both of them will have elevated their drag to be viable competitors in an all-star season now, because earlier seasons of this show, it was the expectations were, I think, in a lot of ways lower. So I I think I love them so much that I'm like, I don't want them to have kind of a Latrice Royale experience where it's like you haven't really elevated what you're doing for the competition in the state it's in now but i'm super excited to watch this i also think it's very funny that everybody was upset that they were putting it on showtime and they promptly pushed it back to vh1 yeah well i I think yeah i think with everyone stuck at home they want as many eyes on this thing as they as they can get and that's going to be vh1 so i i agree um all right so that should be exciting. We will definitely be recapping that season um, and hope to have Valkyrie on for that one too. But for now, let's get into RuPaul's Drag Race Season 12, Episode 11, The One Woman Show Challenge, formerly the the roast or the stand-up challenge. What did you guys think? Well, I, I think we need to start at the top with, uh, with the mini challenge. Okay. The puppets, the puppets are back. Everyone does love puppets. She is not wrong. One of my quarantine coping mechanisms has been watching a, a, a block of episodes of The Muppet Show every Monday night with a group of friends over Zoom. So I'm always tickled by the by the puppet show. Uh, I do think this is the final nail in the coffin. We will not be getting a separate trip to the library, and that's the only thing that I'm sad about. Oh yeah, no. Reading is, is definitely out. They replaced it with Fab Fit Fun, which was... Not, I thought they were just doing, going to, I was sure there would be a reading challenge at some point. In addition to that, that it was a replacement, inexcusable. Okay. No, ma'am. Um, I think, okay, I, I think Jackie did win the puppet show. I don't have any dispute with that, though it's always a little, you know, the editing is always a little 
whatever. I loved that Jada recreated Gigi's dress with the little pom-poms on it. I I almost peed myself a little. Like, just that was hilarious and adorable and surprisingly thorough work for 20 minutes. I was very impressed. But other than that, you know, every, it was delightful. Other than that, you know. Valkyrie, yeah. what do you think? I th- Building off of that, like, there were bright moments. There wasn't anyone who knocked it out of the park. I, I think a theme of this season is is there uh, bringing us nostalgic challenges and familiar yeah. challenges, but the queens are executing them subparly. And, like, I everyone loves a puppet. I was excited for the puppet, and then it didn't deliver. Like, the physical comedy wasn't there as it has been in the past. No one really did any jokes with appearances when they made up the dolls, with the exception of uh, Gigi giving Jackie a beard, which then went nowhere. Um, and overall, I was just kind of like, okay, next. <laughs> like, I... it, def- it, it definitely wasn't bitch pudding. I, I certainly agree there. Uh, I, I think maybe, and maybe this is why they didn't do the reading challenge now that I'm thinking about it in real time. Uh, is this just a group of queens that are all too focused... There just haven't been anything, even in just the workroom, of any real snark or bite. So maybe that maybe that's what's lacking in this. Like, they're all so nice to each other. Like, we've gotten a group of such talented professionals that none of them are relying on horrible coping mechanisms to manage their stress and thus less drama is being created. Or, like, causing drama in the workroom that will make them look bad, even if they're irritated with people. Even if it's, like, based on truth, I think some of them... I think at this point, the girls know whether or not you win. This was a launching pad for a bigger career. And so they're not going to like get in a fight with a colleague, even playfully, for like one minute of laughs that might result in like three episodes of them being a villain. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I just think it's harder to get these girls to do that. Yeah. I'm going to take it one step further, too. And like, we haven't even seen a lot of them being friends with each other. They all just seem like coworkers who are kindly competing in the same thing. Absolutely. Of it's like I don't know who's building actual friendships. Like there is no Heather's versus Boogers. Um, it was all super weird when Jan claimed she was best friends with Britta, and we didn't see any of them being even friendly towards each other. It's like what is actually happening, but between these girls um, socially yeah. to the yeah. point where like. A reading challenge would fail because they just know each other on a coworker level and not like a sister. Level. At least that's, that's how it's presented and what I'm seeing in the shows. No, yeah, that's, no, I got that's it. interesting. I got it. Yeah, that's that's a valid point. It's um, a completely valid point. I actually I agree with your assessment of the puppet challenge, Valkyrie. But I think for me it was like they're absolutely playing nice, like the gloves are not off at all. And I think they were as funny as you could be with a challenge like that with gloves. On. Not as funny as you could be, but they were decent. I did feel like um, it was odd for me that Jackie was making fun of everybody for sticking, for being in like one lane. Like, I mean, she's right with Sherry, but also if I were her, that's not a stone I'd be throwing at anyone right now. That was a little odd. I thought it was funny that Heidi did crystal method and was like, I just go to the thrift store and throw whatever on and hope it works. Wrong queen to make that joke with honey. Like there is production and concept with that one. Like 
if anything, that's a joke that would be coming your way. Yeah. This thing. Like, uh, okay. But, yeah. I, I mean, frankly, I loved it, even though they did a subpar job. Yeah. I, I, mean, I, I enjoyed it, I think, a little more than you two. They did, like, a one-over-par job, like, as opposed to, like... They didn't fail. They just weren't... Certainly nothing, like, memorable. I'm having trouble remembering specific jokes now, you know, 24 hours later, but I enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah, no, I get you. I, I think, uh, just commenting off of their gloves are still on comment, I think that's a problem of this season, is that at this stage in the game, the queens need to be showing me that they're the queen and they're the one for it, and no one has stepped up with that confidence uh, to drag them to the crown right now. It seems like everyone is is self-doubting and getting into their heads a little much, and no one is in the position to claim the title. Hmm. I don't feel that way. I think it's really hard, and the producers are producing you as a, and a storyline in addition to, like, ju- you can't just show up and just do good drag. You, you are cognizant that they're going to try to make you a character in whatever screenplay they decide to take this footage and create. And I feel like there's a lot of strong girls who are mostly keeping their nose to the grindstone and are having some reasonable self-doubt. And I feel like this is a season of really strong drag queens who are trying the best. No one is like shake who level of confidence because I don't think anybody in this season is like head and shoulders above the rest down to this final six. But I actually, it's one of my favorite seasons because I feel like they're all just doing really good drag their own way. But that's my read on it. Um, I, I think it's an artifact of what we've been talking about where it's just the biggest get gain of the show isn't winning. I think the issue is they're also aware that the real win of the show is the career you get launched out of not necessarily winning. No one's going to rock that boat. Uh, it just reminds me, there was a great joke on 30 Rock when they were doing the reality show. It's like, I'm going to get less screen time than Daphne. Who's Daphne? Is the splash cut to her screen. Hi, I'm Daphne. I I handle conflict appropriately and I'm up to date on my mortgage payments. It's like, yeah, that makes for less scintillating reality television i agree with what condi nasty's been saying for ages where they just need to stop trying to make that reality arc if you just showed me these people being competently stressed out i think that would be more emotionally evocative than trying to craft those reality tv narratives and then maybe we could get back some of that real bite because now it's not feeling like you're about to be shoehorned into being the next amorosa yeah, I feel like it's part of it is growing challenges being on a more mainstream network too, uh, where yeah. they know more people are going to see them than ever watched it on Logo yeah. in the first few seasons, and so it it is the girls know the stakes are higher, and so they're playing a different game, which is just less exciting to me than the game that was played in earlier seasons. I get that. I also feel like a lot of it is gay men are playfully mean with one another and sometimes not but well that's a separate thing but i feel like gay men tend to be playfully mean with one another and i feel like the straight female audience the huge straight female audience that these girls going on this show have gained over the past three years is like insane and they're looking for nice and we as gay men are not looking for drag queens who are particularly nice that's not that's not a, I'm not like, she's the nicest drag queen, so she's my favorite. 
that's never a selling point to me. Except Nina uh, West. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, but she has so much else going for her, and I love that she's so nice and positive. Like, she's also extremely talented. It's never like, you're so nice, so I think you're amazing and the best because you're so mousy and sweet in this, like, performative way. Anyways, boy, this took a lot of interesting tangents. I'm, I'm feeling this. Um, all right, so... On that, I wanted to get into the maxi challenge. As opposed to a stand-up challenge or a roast challenge, this is a one-woman show challenge. And I was super excited to hear Rue announce this. I think it's such a good idea because it sets these girls up to play to their own strengths. It gives them a lot more room, um, which is a lot closer to real drag shows that you see in the real world with local queens. I think one of the most compelling things about drag as a performative art form is that it is not about conformity. It is in many ways mimicking, parroting, criticizing, commenting on the larger culture and cultural norms. And it's much more of a creative divergence art form as opposed to a conforming to what Michelle Visage wants you to look like art form. Um, And I was super excited to see this because I think it gave a lot of the queen's space to do something weird or creative or different. As long as they were able to work the crowd well, they would succeed. So I was super excited. What were, what did you think Valkyrie? Uh, yeah, I, I think you nailed it in that it is a very wide challenge that the queens can interpret several different ways and play to their strengths. Um, I do wish they would have framed it a little more too. Like when I think of one woman shows, I think of it as being a very personal storytelling type element. And not that there's not characters, but there always is some personal touchback to it. And I feel like some queens took the personal to heart to varying degrees of success. And some left themselves out of the one woman show or one drag queen show. Um, Still maybe hilarious, but... I didn't learn anything new about those queens, which was yeah. like a negative in, in my opinion. I, I agree with that. Like, yeah, when you think one woman show, you think like Elaine Stritch at Liberty, a, a show I've only watched 18 times in the last six weeks. Um, but yeah, I, I do like that they gave them room because it, it does get frustrating to be like, you know, not everyone's a great singer. Not everyone's going to learn to be a great singer in the next 12 hours. So that it is what it is. So I do kind of like they gave everyone space to stretch their drag wings. Yeah, I don't know if either of you've ever read The Tipping Point by Malcolm Gladwell, but he has like a whole thing about how if your IQ is in like the 120 or 130 range or something like that, once you get past that, an IQ test really means nothing um, because an IQ test is like a convergence test, like you're converging to the correct answer. Uh, once it's once your IQ is like over 120, how you would perform on a divergence test, like we give you three objects and in like two minutes you name as many different things as you can do with it. If you do well on that, that's a much more likely indicator of how successful you will be, how creative you are, how good of a problem solver you are, because it is about being adaptive. And I feel like drag is way more that than convergence so this was exciting to me uh trixie has talked a lot about how being on drag race literally feels like the opposite of doing drag because the show is trying to get you to do exactly what you want whereas a lot of people start doing drag because they can get on the stage and do something weird and people like gag for it so i don't know i was i was 
I'm like rambling again. I was very excited for this, but I agree with your assessment, Valkyrie. I think saying a one woman show implies, uh, it implies that it's uh, like a confessional along the lines of what Jackie did. And I don't think everybody, I think there was variance in terms of how much people internalized that that's what they were supposed to do. Yeah. Uh, I loved Whoopi Goldberg. I mean, I've already did. It's not a new same, thing, but oh my god, she was perfect. Like she, she gets this rep now. Like the 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 latest act of Whoopi Goldberg as the View co-host, she kind of gets the reputation for just being a little over it and detached from the nonsense. And I get it, and that's a fun energy in the room. But she was one of the best mentor guest judges in the show's history. She had such, like, specific, warm, helpful, laser-focused comments that I was like, I'm going to write this down because I just got a free master class in acting. <laughs> yes. And she met the girls where they were emotionally, as opposed to having them come in saying hi, criticizing what they had written thus far, and deflating them. You know? Like, yeah. I think it's gone really badly with stand-up comments who just come in with as, like, editors. And I feel like Whoopi tried to, like, meet them where they were and, like, coach them in a way that was emotionally present. And it was very, it was good. I mean, it was, I was impressed. She also co- coached them in a way that left it open for them to interpretation. She didn't say, do this or deliver the line this way. She or was like, cut oh. it entirely. Yeah. Yeah, she was like, this isn't working. Think through X, Y, Z. Maybe try this. And it was much more collaborative than I remember any of the other mentors being on past seasons. Well, and I think what she did so well was she kept fo- everyone focused on whatever whatever you're doing, singing, dancing, acting, your job is to connect with the audience. You want them to feel a thing. And every all of the choices you make should be in service of creating and sustaining that connection. So I really liked how she found ways to draw them back to that idea. Um, and it was, it was like, it was even be- even better than just like the notch above of like, Oh, you need to s- step it up. That vague comment that means nothing. Ah, uh, yes, yeah, she, she was great. I just, if I were actually in the room with her, I don't know what would explode harder. My gay half that is like, Oh, ghost and sister act. Oh my God. Or my nerd half be like, Oh, it's Guinan. Um, when Jackie came out and talked about being a Star Trek fan and they showed her in the Counselor Troy drag, it was like, well, Miss Cox is working real hard to make me like her even more. That made my evening. <laughs> to surprising no one. Um, okay, so let's get into the actual one-woman shows. Uh, Valkyrie, what did you think of Jackie's performance? Um, I mean, that was the closest to what a one-woman show is in, in my totally. head. And two great... Uh, effects like she smartly chose a topic and a story to tell she did good job changing between the characters and had those the glasses as props to signify how she is a different character and i mean and i learned about her and i like it was nice i would sit through and i'd listen to a whole hour's worth of jackie sharing more about her mom and dad and how that converged into jackie cox yeah yeah yeah. i thought it was less i was at i agree with you it was totally the most like on point one woman show i think it wasn't as funny as they usually are or i would expect from something like this but i do think she managed to like merge heart and have jokes within it and it did have like an intimacy to it um and i felt like 
even if it wasn't super funny, if it was funny enough, but it was also like vulnerable, it was so on the mark for what a one woman show is that like you couldn't really put her in the bottom two. Oh no, I I really I liked it. My my only kind of macro complaint, and this might just be the edit. I felt, you know, even if I accept it as just this is a story that will occasionally be funny as opposed to like a comedy bit, even in a dramatic story, there's still a rhythm you want to hit. And I felt it was a little slack. Uh, like I just wanted things. I wanted the rhythm of the story to be like a half a beat a second faster just to keep things moving. I was I was concerned at first but then really impressed by the simplicity of the prop choices i think it would have been really easy to try to go for like you know a caftan for mom and a neck like a blazer like like more costumey uh to change the characters and the glasses were shockingly effective like she should actually develop this as a one-woman show and the poster makes itself two pairs of glasses on a white field yeah like uh and and then the thing that i think got me the most was you know, she's talked about her mom being disappointed in her, uh, you know, doing drag and not becoming a doctor. And that's kind of like, you know, a, a fairly standard, a fairly common story. But on that stage, you really watched her kind of processing uh, some emotional distance with her mom while talking about it. And I th- and obviously, I think that's what everyone responds. I, I think in the room, that was probably better than what we saw on TV, just because you were having a real moment with this person actually sharing something with you. I agree. I agree with that. I also love that it was almost her drag origin story and it connected back to being on Drag Race and who Jackie Cox was. And yeah. like, it seemed more relevant than some of the other topics that the other girls chose. Yeah. yeah. So next was Crystal comically going like the farthest from a one woman show in what she did. Um, I thought she did such a good job you can tell she's done a lot of crowd work in the past she knew exactly how to deliver the physical comedy for this and to work the crowd and adjust to what they were responding positively to she is somebody who honestly like you Ursula, like has so much going for her but struggles with improv in a way that i'm like how you have so like take improv 101 at second city the second quarantine is over you have like so many of the parts and like Fully assembled. Take Improv 101. Like, Crystal did such a good job. I love her so much. I was so proud of her. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. What did you guys think? It was hilarious. It was the most entertaining thing that was on that stage that night. Yeah. Um, that was more sketch comedy to me. Like, if that was a character on SNL, totally. I would live for it. I would wait for that recurring character to come back. Um, and this was the one that I was really like, I don't know anything more about crystal um, okay which, I, I, which totally totally it was the farthest from a one-woman show it was like nothing about her i think she could have like i like it's in crystal's theme like it's crazy it's wacky i get why it's on brand i could see where it might make sense in a larger show with maybe different characters it's just as a five minute clip i wanted more of crystal and less of fabulous phil or whatever it was i'm gonna say I, I agree on paper with everything you're saying. I will say, I think, and you, you, hit, you hit the nail on the head and you took the words right out of my mouth when you said about the, like, character in a larger show. Yeah. Like, if she were doing a two-hour one-woman show and this were, like, one of the, and this were, like, the interstitial between the acts, it would be perfect. Um, I, I know we didn't learn anything new specifically about Crystal, but I can't say 
I didn't walk away feeling I was exposed to like a thousand rems of radiation of crystal method, you know, where it was just like, that was crystal methods, personality completely uncut. And uh, her as a performance artist, as opposed to like a confessional, which is like, it is, it was more, way more sketch and not one woman show at all. I completely agree with that. But I do think I got a, uh, insight into how she is as a performer. Yeah. Like when she's doing her own thing. Right. Like, and much like the Burton Ernie look last week, it was just one of those, the first second I'm like, is this the dumbest thing I've ever seen? And then it's like, this is the dumbest thing I've ever seen. Like, it just becomes, it. it's so pure and happy that it just brings you along. So, something I was thinking about when uh, they, they, they talk about Crystal as like a weird queen, and, and she is, but something that I think really sets her apart from the other uh, queens in this lane is her weirdness is never defensive. It's never like, to draw to, to pull a random name out of the ether, Evie Oddly, where I feel there's like a kind of combativeness and a like this is my from shield. jump from jump yeah Chip on her shoulder right away yeah yeah and and and, and you know even queens like Sharon Needles like the the queen who rocks this style can be a little and and with I'm sure perfectly good reason the world is not kind to many people but there's just something so happy about crystal method it really is just watching someone enjoy themselves do whatever they want and that is really powerful like yeah on paper none of that sketch should work it's so stupid but in practice it was effervescent crystal is the peewee herman of rupaul's drag race yes. and it would make perfect sense to have <laughs> lorish fishburne show up in a cowboy costume <laughs> or grace jones shipped to her at christmas and I, I totally, 100%, I believe that would happen to Crystal. <laughs> that, that might have actually I happened to Crystal. I hope it does. <laughs> I truly hope it does. Um, all right. So next we have Heidi. I felt like she was trying to do something that was like a sketch one woman show where it was like, this is the middle ground that you actually often see in these things where it's like, and my grandma would whatever. But... The outfit looked so young drag queen, slightly inspired by, like, Gem and the Holograms, but with, like, a ponytail, that it was, like, it was, it wasn't the right outfit to do the character, and the characters weren't, like, hearty enough, and this, what she was commenting on, it was, like, way too much potato salad. I feel like it's clear that, like, she's so charming, funny, and likable, but this was, like, so many of the wrong choices that only an amateur would make. It's clear that she's like a dancing queen when she works at bars. And for me, it was like, it's impressive that Heidi was able to make this work as good as she did because there were so many poor choices from yeah. the jump, I thought. Um, yeah. Well, I don't know what you guys, what did you guys think? Yeah, I think she took on more than she could handle. And I there were editing choices, both in look and in character selected that could have elevated that a lot i just think she she was in this idea that she wanted to share the insanity of her large family gatherings and thought she needed to do every family member to convey how crazy that is where we didn't need shannon or sharon or whoever to even be there we can still talk about how horrible her potato salad is without yeah, yeah. that character there well, um, i 
I think what it was missing was an end point, uh, like a a beat that says, like Jackie, like you said, her her discussion of her family kind of lands at her drag origin story. So we have some these two characters are here to help make a point, and then Jackie made it. Like this is one I agree with that she bit off more than she could chew because I'm not even sure an experienced writer in the time allotted could have polished that to show ready, just because you would need a rehearsal and an edit and talking to someone but like sitting here in you know armchair quarterbacking uh the day after i would say the best way to do that would be if you keep the potato salad keep the fight about the potato salad but communicate what the fight is really about because when you fight about potato salad you of course not actually fighting about it you're fighting about decades of other resentments and this is just the stand-in so there needed to be that undercurrent of what we're fighting about this. What is the fight really about? And what does that tell you about my family? Yeah. And there just wasn't the time to develop. And I'm guessing the experience for Heidi to know how to craft that kind of multimodal uh, August Wilson one act play. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. No. And I mean, not surprisingly, this showed that like many things on this season, it showed that Heidi has tons of potential and talent and virtually no experience, unfortunately. Yeah. But, like, she did She did well. Um, Gigi's seemed like a scripted act that she came in with, that she rehearsed with, like, her mom and her friends that she does drag with. Um, yeah. It seemed like she prepared that and came in to survive something like this. And I will admit she del- she seemed nervous and shaky, she delivered it better than I expected based on that. And it was very funny at times. She was responding to the crowd. But I definitely think once she would pause and get in her head or forget the script, you would just see her like break character. Yeah. And it really, for something like that, really erodes the experience of the comedy of it. Oh, yeah. She, she destroyed her own momentum like four times. Yes. Um, but I think she's a really smart 21-year-old queen who has a ton going for her, and this is definitely, like, a weak point for her. And I think she did very well with that, but it's I kind of am holding her to a low bar. So, I don't know. What did you think, Valkyrie? Yeah, I liked the concept. I think there was so much room to play with that, and she played the audience really well. What I was kind of wanting is, is more about character, more about Gigi, she could have easily been like, oh, you're a slut. I know you're a slut because I was in that orgy right next to you. And play more of like the hell, I'm a bad girl. like, right. And share about herself without confessing via traditional one-woman shows like we've talked about. Right. Um, and I think that would have gone a lot farther. I, If you're calling out the audience, why are you not calling out the judges? Like, there are little things that I think could have made this a lot better than it was, but... Gigi was just set on having a script, presenting it perfectly, and she stumbled and failed at that. Yeah, the button I was waiting for, and when she explained the concept, I was kind of hoping it was where she would go, is, you know, she's talking to all these people on the plane who have done something terrible and have merited going to hell. The button of that act 
is what she did to get stuck being the stewardess on a flight to hell for eternity because yeah. that's the in that's that that's the tie up like whoever it was and, and and you bitches that talk in movie theaters uh you'll be joining me on the next flight like or whatever whatever something to be like i clock my own fault in a way or a bad yeah. thing i did because then yeah. it, it it lands the joke where in that one woman show territory yes i also literally cringed when she said detroit that felt weird that felt upsetting and wrong <laughs> And very white privilege. Yeah, it felt. It, I was like, um, um, "Ma'am, um, I think, um, no, 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 yeah. no. Say, say Florida. Say Florida." My my <laughs> husband is from Michigan. He is from nowhere near Detroit, but he is from the state of Michigan. And we travel to California a lot. And the way that Californians respond to Michigan is a really weird discussion of Detroit that is like, ah, so many assumptions, so much classism and racism built into this that you aren't clocking, but I am. Um, he just says he's from Chicago. It's yeah. wait, wait, hor- You don't get that when they talk about Chicago too? No. <laughs> it is way different when you say literally Michigan and you get like a totally different negative response. Chicago, you get, mm, the food's so good. I would weigh like a thousand pounds. But oof, yeah, I'm like, just say Tampa. Tampa's the same joke, and it doesn't trip all of the tripwires you just did. Casually oh. walked over without any consciousness of it? Yeah. 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 Um, all right, and then Sherry, we got very little of it other than them criticizing how much she went over. I actually was highly amused by this because she's a obviously experienced performer she knew exactly what she was doing this was obviously an edited version of things she's done before and she did not care she did not care enough to bother trying to edit it down she issued an empty apology in a very like matter of fact oh i had no idea way that only like a skilled liar would do it was such a telling insight into who sherry is and how Good she can casually be a po- like empty apology giving. Um I loved it. <laughs> I loved it. I, I think my first critique of this harkens back to our earlier conversation where um things are just different now than in past seasons. Cause they would have stopped her at five minutes if the same thing happened in season two, three, four. They would have cut her off, said you're done. And ended it like that. Instead of letting her go three times as long as she was supposed to. Even if it was funny and it was good. That shouldn't have happened. Yes. I mean, I assume they let them go more than five minutes just to make sure they get enough footage. You know, like, or they get to do it twice or something, but... I expect that they would go more, that they would, like, just kind of let it go. But that they would give them five minutes and assume nobody is going to go over 10. And Sherry confidently took it to 18. Yeah. There is no way she was like shot. Like she knew she was over 10. She knew she was at least 15 when they told her 18. No question. Like, you know, I, the empty apology to Jada was like, maybe my, the highlight of the episode for me. Yes. And a lot of good father. I also hated her cherry's outfit she was oh. not padded appropriately she never is which and i feel like this 
was so much more obvious than some of the other choices. The dress itself was weird and highlighted that she wasn't proportions properly worse than she actually was and didn't read anything psychic about it either. Like I get the fish is psychic or whatever, but she didn't read as like fortune teller's assistant. Like it was all over the place for me, um, regardless of how well performed it was. So I hate her padding. The dress definitely highlighted how weird her choices with proportionizing her body are as a drag queen. Um, But yeah, I mean, that is true. And also you are right. Nothing about it communicated any of what we were about to see or where the direction this was going, even a little bit. And I'm not looking for like, give me gypsy drag, but like, there's so many things you can do. Like a jewel piece of jewelry selection. There was so much about it that was like, you're not trying to connect this to the act at all. And also, like, you cannot pad, you cannot pad so bottom heavy and have such, so little at top. Like, it doesn't work. Um, but, yeah. Anyways, anything else on Cher or should we move on to Jada? Oh, I th- well, I mean, we have to, don't we? <laughs> yeah. Um, so, Jada did a terrible job. It was bad. It was a bad story idea from the top. She herself is very funny. The Sherry thing was interesting to talk about, but this was going to bomb no matter where it showed up on the in the skit. Um, yep. It was bad. It had literally one button and a five-minute story for I accidentally... Pe- like, she didn't punch the jokes along the way to get to the one joke that isn't that funny. Like, yeah. I think there's something here where it could have been good. I think it needed a lot longer to marinate to make it that good than she had. Um, and I agree, the punchline shouldn't have been that she peed, but I think she could have stole the, told the story and shared more about like pageant life or what else was happening to we make it more interesting. But yeah, what she had was bad. How she performed it was bad. Yeah. Like, yeah. it could have actually... like. Rue loves some gross-out humor. I think the last 12 seasons of this show clearly indicate that. Rue has a sense of humor that does not require a great deal of sophistication sometimes. I think what really could have worked about this was it would have been this, like, you know, Jada presents herself as this beautiful, perfectly polished, perfectly everything queen having this very human moment. And I think, again, like, stepping back to what is the point of a one-woman show, how do you do that this could have been like jada letting us behind the perfect mask and i don't know if that occurred to her i don't know if that's why she picked this story or she thought this is the only funny story that's ever happened to her but like there was no sense that this was actually a relevant confession for a pageant queen to make on national television and it could have been and i'll say i've seen plenty of comics take what is at its surface like a really small matter of fact everyday story and punch it with all sorts of details along the way to make it funny i agree with valkyrie's suggestion about how both of your suggestions honestly about how she could have punched this and added dimensions to it this could have been like the structure of it but there could have been so much more about you know that expectation and what it's like in the pageant scene and like there are so many jokes you can build in along the way and she did none of that she like added two punches that she didn't even give enough time or physical comedy to let them like let the audience laugh for a second and just kind of hurried to an underwhelming punchline. It was clear to me she's done nothing like this before, no matter where she showed up. Like to me, she was 
by far the worst in this. And I don't think that Sherry running over impacted the fact that she was absolutely the worst in this and she was going to be in the bottom two if this was her act. All right, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll take it to the runway. Isolated at home, desperate for human contact, but afraid of risking the other side of your front door, wondering if you still remember the scent of a man. Distant Daddy Deliveries is here to help. Once a week, we'll send a handsome silver fox to your home who will maintain six feet of physical distance and a world of emotional distance, just like your real father. Do you find you miss the feeling of never being good enough? Do you ache for disapproving silence? Have you finally given in to the fact that you'll only ever love men who will never love you back? Distant Daddy Deliveries is here for you. And Reading Drag Race has a special offer code just for you. Go to the website and enter the code FREUDIAN for all your disapproving father figure needs. And for those of you looking for the opposite experience, we'll be setting up our other service where we send you an oversharing mother with no boundaries, whose well-intentioned support still sometimes feels oppressive like a weighted blanket, next week. All right, and we're back. Hey, ladies. So, you both know me very well. You have been to my wedding. Uh, I, The color purple is the runway category I have been waiting for. Um, and I have to say, these girls did do a good job, but I was really hoping for like a sugarcane purple flamenco dress from season 11 moment. Um, because I fucking love the color purple. Uh, I love the book, but I'm actually talking about the, the, the shade, um, in the color wheel. Um, so yeah. What did you guys think of this runway? I was very excited. Um, I think purple's a color that doesn't get a lot of play. Um, my name is inspired by a athletic team that dons purple and gold. <laughs> I was very excited to see what was going to come of this. Um, as there is a room to be playful and room to be glamorous. Uh, maybe even at the same time, if you're Evie Oddly. Yeah. I agree with that. It's it's loose enough that you can do a lot with it when you have a category that broad, which is one of the exciting things about it, much like the challenge. Um, yeah. I thought Jackie did a really good job of breaking out of her wheelhouse and doing something conceptual. Um, I thought I thought it was actually very good for what it was. Yeah, I thought they were a little hard on her. I'm like, it looks well put together. It's crafted, but it was well crafted. And yeah. Um, her face was beautiful this week. Like she yes. really did it. She covered her beard. And I, this is something I've learned uh, baking cakes. The weirder the frosting color, the thicker the frosting. It's just like, like black icing you could mortar bricks with. So I'm sure whatever makes the paint purple also just makes it a better concealer. But it looks, her face is beat this week. And like there was just no love for that at all. <laughs> I thought, I always think it's creepy. I think it's a shitty criticism for drag queens to say, crafty i think something really has to look like a collection of supplies from michael's just fell on the floor and then you put it on in order to to put that criticism i thought it like i take serious issue with that just being leveled randomly this doesn't this looks this looks finished i i I, I don't know i i liked it it's also thoroughly realized the the tab of molly was cute like all of it worked yes so yeah, yeah it it worked. I I think where I can understand the judges' comments is we've seen similar things executed better. We see 
a fun character executed better in this runway that in context it's not as successful as some other things that have happened but it it's it's fun it 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 doesn't look crafty to me i agree with yeah. your critique of crafty um yeah and I, I don't really know what i would change i think it's a nice look i think it's a good jackie look maybe more feathers but yeah I mean, standing next to Crystal is not doing her any favors in this still I'm looking at, where it's just like, boom. Like, so what did you guys think of Crystal's look? It took a second, but I I warmed to it very quickly. The movement was great. There's some... The individual choices of where the swatches are laid out and how they're attached is perfect. The, The actual effect is like a real textile that looks like a it's a good pattern um i don't know if it was entirely random or kind of random with edits or what but the finished look is staggering in how much movement and depth there is both on video and looking at it in a still yeah i i agree with that too i think she did a good job of keeping a shape too like it wasn't just a big blob i could still see hips and and particularly with (laughs) with the the garment um it it was just fun and exciting and i had a much more immediate fun response to that than when jackie turned the corner okay is she referencing something i am unfamiliar with something called sound suits which when i googled them still didn't explain what they were to me okay (laughs) i feel like there's a like a brown stuffed animal or cartoon that has this silhouette that this looks like a reinvented version of, but yeah, I, it's one of those things where I'm like, I think I'm too old to know what this might be like a silhouette that sort of is nodding to, but I could be completely wrong. Um, I agree. I feel like the ears make it seem like it's a specific reference to yes. the one area where I'm not sold on this look is like, they could be more interesting or better. She didn't need volume on her head to balance the very heavy, aesthetic of that garment but i that's not doing it for me as much as i'd like something else to yeah i do think she's shown us that she is like an amazingly talented makeup artist and like conceptual queen and i i know that she's been trying to like modulate so it feels more dragon less like character clown for the judges but I'm very impressed with what she's done. I think because it's the color purple and it's like, this is like a collection of color swatches of every shade of purple imaginable, but like then put together as a suit. I think the concept of that makes it like, this would just feel random if you didn't pause and think about that. And I would also feel like, I wish you pushed it a different week where you could do something cooler, but I get it and it's cool. I, I like it a lot. Um, her makeup's gorgeous this week too. It, it her makeup the, is always gorgeous. Fair, yeah. Um, yeah I, no, but you're right. I get, this is a look that shouldn't work somehow, but then it works amazingly. It's really, it's really impressive. It, it's just one of those if you if you explain it in words, you think this has to fail. How could it not fail? And then you look at it and you're like, nope this this all seems to be in order here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, next we have Heidi in what I would describe as like classic, beautiful, pretty, like pageant drag in a beautiful purple gown. I, it is very clear that she has been talking with Jada a lot and she's been giving her a lot of makeup tips because I'm seeing even the way that she's creating like a two tone effect on her lip 
that's beautiful is like something Jada does. I can, I feel like I see Jada's makeup tips on Heidi's face. To me, she never looked more beautiful. So, so Gigi Good comes out looking like Daphne. I had one criticism of Heidi's dress, and that's okay. the seams. Like, there's a heavy purple seam on her shoulder. I don't know if it's a corset or ribbing down her stomach, but there's things taking me out of the glamour that bother me. And it's like, you could have easily moved some glitter over to cover it up or like other, I think there's ways to fix it to make it perfect. And this just isn't at the high glamour level that I I think Heidi thinks it is. Okay. I, I agree with you. I saw those little details as well, but I, I don't know. I always feel like if you know how to sew, you like clock that stuff. And I don't think I have a good gauge for how clockable they are to everybody, I guess. Um, but I hear what you're saying. And I get that it's not at like Jada Essence Hall level of finished. But I do think, to me... All in all, it is the most glamorous and beautiful Heidi has looked in this competition. Yeah, I completely agree with that. And the the dress is gorgeous. And yeah. and I, I don't want to take anything away from Heidi. That just is distracting to me. I get uh, it. And, and like, amazing job here, just not quite where some of the other queens are. Totally, totally. Um, and then we see Gigi doing Daphne from Scooby-Doo, basically. Uh, uh, bitch, what is... bitch stole my look. I did that so much better than that. You did. We we have done... Valkyrie and I have been part of a group uh, Halloween costume doing Scooby-Doo characters. Uh, and Valkyrie did make a much better Daphne. Um, what did what did you think of this look, Ursula? Uh, it's fine. It's, it, it's very expected. It's just, you know, it's a... It's a riff on Daphne from Scooby-Doo, and she executed it competently with the aid of her costume designer mother, and that's kind of it. Um, I I still love Gigi. She is clearly crushingly talented. She is, I think, starting to show the limits of her experience uh, in a different way than Heidi, but still kind of in a similar place where it's just like, Girl, you are twenty one. Like the things we've st- we've critiqued her for are things she will pick up over the next decades of her life. This look does kind of show the where we're. This is where she is right now, and she's going to look back on this and be like, "Oh God, I could have picked out a thousand different things uh, than with the one I picked out." When she looks back on this in ten years, but see, so my feel. So I agree with much of what you said. Um, my feeling is. She's so talented and, like, able to... Like, I know that her mother's a costume designer, but obviously she she also herself knows how to sew and has constructed impressive garments on this all her own. I respect her as her as a designer herself. Um, I feel like she's made such interesting, distinct, or, like, high fashion choices, like the orange challenge, those buttons, and that, like, structured jacket. Yeah. Um, that I was... It's, like, I love Scooby-Doo, I love Daphne, I like this reference. This is something that I would, this is something a little expected, but it's more like what I would expect from Jackie. I feel like this is a little, God, I don't know how to say this. Gigi just, like, slays the runway. So to do something this sort of expected for any queen, I was surprised by. But at the same time, it is like, hey, you're doing something playful, like... 
how you know i'm not gonna like knock you for doing something playful you haven't been the most playful yeah this is my least favorite gg look it just it it doesn't have that same craft or like concepts behind it yeah the green fucking legs drive me crazy like if she had light purple tights that matched the arms it would be improved a million times over yeah, I, I'm just. I'm gonna channel Nina Garcia from early Project Runway. It's not editorial. I, it just it lacks the punch that her other looks have have had. Yeah. Um. All right. So Sherry Pie, Valkyrie, what do you think? I don't understand what is happening here. There, okay. There are parts I like. There's parts that are don't work with each other. Like to have that much volume where she is actually almost proportionally appropriate and then have no hair and like a bald cap on basically doesn't make sense for the look and like the this idea of like a flirty cat and i like the boa tail like there's something there but this look isn't doing anything and she looks like an extra in the movie cats where they have the buttholes in it still yeah, I'm going to say thank you for referencing the movie Cats because that's what I thought too when I saw it. I hated this look. I'm actually surprised by how much, looking at it now in the clear light of day and a lower blood alcohol content, how much I continue to actively hate it. Um, it's monochromatic in a way that's not pleasing. It's weirdly proportioned. So it's like, it it makes her look like she's three feet tall. And she said in the, in the voiceover that it was like the Cheshire Cat for... Uh, I mean, not a uh, uh, fine, but the big thing about the Cheshire Cat is the smile, and that's not where my eye is going in this look. Also, you would have to know that if you were filming this in the year of our Lord, 2019, that dressing like a cat would make people think of cats. And I agree, it looks like the Tom Hooper butthole nightmare cat uh, from the movie. And maybe that's why I hate it so much, because it's reminding me of a movie that I also hate. So, <laughs> sorry, I that... Ooh, I did not get that heated talking about what Sherry did to other human beings. I'm I'm sorry. This this just got me. <laughs> um, so I loved this look. I think it is in many ways a celebration of the color purple and the the two tone striping element to the bodice and the mix of textures. Give it the textures I need for it to feel not monochromatic. I think she made the right makeup choice for this type of look. Um. I agree with Valkyrie that it gets Sherry's usually entirely off proportionizing closer to something reasonable. Um, That said, she has a very large face and neck and drag. A lot of the artistry of drag has to do with proportionizing and creating an illusion. And Sherry is just not a queen who could pull this off with that little like cat ear cap effectively. And so I love this look for someone else. It doesn't work or look right on Sherry. The She is too big of a face to pull off that head cap. Like if Angina wore something like this, it or like Crystal Method with her makeup skills and her sort of smaller fine featured face, it would really work. And I think it would be like, stunningly like flapper meets cheshire cat i think sherry just can't pull this off but i love the concept of it 
Yeah, there, there is something in this garment that wants to be beautiful. Um, it's just not Sherry. And that's, yeah, it is not Sherry. <laughs> oh, 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 now I feel like a bitch. Uh, um, I, all right. I, I'm the one that said it, not you. you, you look at me. Anyways, um, I think we all said it in our own way today. Uh, so moving on, Jada Essence Hall. I liked this look. We've been totally wowed by Jada before. I liked this look. I did not love this look. What did you guys think? Th- this was one of those looks where if the ma- if the runway were actually, the theme is color purple, sub-theme, make Ursula very happy on the inside. This look, the- drag Guinan went right to where I live. Um, that hat was perfect. The proportions were perfect. This is Whoopi Goldberg's like slutty little sister who came in to do a guest spot in the fourth season, and I'm absolutely here for it. This is just one of those things that like I I can't even be objective. It hits so many references I love and hits them so artfully that I just it, it just made me happy. It's a it's a it's a great look, and we expect it's one of those it pageant queens when they succeed do really hit that diminishing return wall pretty hard where it's just like you've stunned us every week you can't keep stunning us even if you're stunning um so it was a, i think it was a great look perfectly executed and then it just it just happened to really push one of my buttons so uh yeah i mean i i don't have any critiques of this look i'm very happy with it i liked how in closer look, you got different tones of, of purple in the sparkly bits of it too. And even some like magenta-y pink colors. Um, that all worked for me. It's not a Grand Slam home run, but uh, it's still something I, I really enjoy and, and like seeing on the runway. Yeah, yeah. Um, also, I will say, Rue's look this week, nothing to write home about. You know me. Ursula, I fucking loved that dress. That simple, beautiful, sparkly purple dress. The hair that was the right, like, toned, cool blonde for it. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, I loved her wig this week. It was like the height with the side sweep was so gorgeous. Yeah, it's this is another instance of me saying, I'm not telling anybody conceptually or, like, in any sort of technical fashion way, this look of Ruse this week was one of her best. It wasn't. It was absolutely one of my favorites because it's right up my like aesthetic wheelhouse. Um, I, I I just think it's another example of it's like I mean yeah she has a team and she has time and money to make all this happen, but every week she just comes in and it's like there's a reason I'm still running this thing. Uh, oh for and sure. Just even like if that's her. Oh, I just woke up like this. Look, what the fuck are we doing? <laughs> true. True. Let's get into the tops and bottoms. Um. So it looks like Gigi, Jada, and Heidi are the bottom three, and Jada and Heidi are then the bottom two. Uh, does that do you guys agree with that? Yeah, I mean, like it, even if Sherry broke all the rules to go over time, the what little we saw it seemed to be working. Like it wasn't like she did nineteen minutes of dead silence. So I we can't. You know, you can't say she didn't do what you asked her to do. She put on a one-woman show. Yeah, I, I, I don't have a strong... Like, absent seeing something else in the edit that we didn't get to see, I can't make a credible case for putting Cher in the bottom two outside of some sense of, oh, well, you broke the rules. Like, but you're in charge. You could have just told her to shut up. 
Um, yeah, so I, yeah, Jid and Heidi are sadly, um, you know, the bottom two, but not not because like Jado's was not well performed, but she did look amazing on the runway. This that was a pretty solid group of queens up there. Like there was that was one of the and I think you know we said it this week too that it's just it's one of the deepest benches they've ever had. Yes, I love seeing the internal turmoil you've had in answering that question. There are so many emotions on your face, and I respect it because I also am like. I love all six of these girls. I also would watch like several episodes until somebody does so bad. Rue actually just decides to send someone home. Like, yeah, I, I, I do think these are the bottom two. Yeah. Uh, something the AV, I read, I read the AV club review of the episode uh, with coffee this morning and the author pointed something out that really got me when she sent them to the bottom two, she didn't do the little, you know, your, your runway was wrong. Like, like there was no quip. For either of them, they were just the bottom two. Yeah, and it's be I really that that, that kind of says something. It's like you didn't do badly; you just didn't do well. Yeah, no, it, I keep saying that about this season. It's like what an all star season should be. They have to split hairs to pick who's in the bottom because everybody here is a professional. All right, and then the tops seem to be Jackie and Crystal Method, and Crystal Method, who has been in the top three. Literally half of the episode she's been on. This is her fifth time being in the top three of the f- of the ten episodes she has competed in. She finally wins this challenge. She f- gets her first win under her belt. There are two episodes where, to me, Crystal Method clearly won and was robbed before this, but she gets this win. How did you guys... Valkyrie, how'd you feel about it? Yeah, I, I think this is her Julia Roberts win for Aaron Brockovich, where... They've overlooked her too many times. They just need to give it to her. Um, Sometimes. Even, even, like, she did a very good job. She was entertaining. Well-deserved. I still go back. I don't think what she did was a one-woman show. I don't totally. know if that deserves the win. But, like, most entertaining, great look on the runway. Deserves it for multiple other things leading up to this point. Yeah, she uh, she was fucking robbed last week. Last week is the one that I was, like, militant about. Um Droop, she was also robbed. Like, I love Heidi. Crystal won Droop. Agreed. Agreed. Um, and to me, this week, Jackie really did a great one-woman show and had a conceptual runway that really wasn't crafty and it was fully thought out. To me, this was a week where I was like, I actually think Crystal and Jackie are the top two, for sure. But to me, it's like, Crystal was robbed twice and Jackie should have won this episode. Crystal just should have won two previous episodes. Yeah. Um, also, I don't think you could give Jack. Like, I still feel like the sense of the show is that Jackie's not going to be in the top three, even if she's in the top four. So I, I'm sure there was some conversation about you can't give Jackie that kind of momentum if we're just going to send her home next week. Maybe. I, I think if anything, it had more to do with the Aaron Brockovich effect for Crystal Fair enough, Method. Yeah. Like, or, they yeah. needed to give her a win at some point. Yeah, um, J- Judy Dench winning for Shakespeare in Love. Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> then we have our lip sync to, oh, it was a Prince song, but it wasn't Purple Rain, right? What was it again? 1999. 1999. This yeah. is what I have been waiting for this moment in the podcast since I saw it on the show. Oh, please. Valk- Valkyrie, you are a Minnesota queen. I want you to talk us through all of your feelings. <laughs> so I I like 
how the overall episode had a nice strong connections to it too with like Whoopi, one woman shows color purple purple runway prince i freaked out when 1999 came on um i was so excited so from minnesota uh seen prince perform live um went and saw the Maya Rudolph cover band Princess perform live. Like, I was here for it. I was ready. I was thoroughly disappointed what happened on that stage. Um, Prince has such, like, a positive energy to him, even just walking around, that neither of those girls tapped into. And I, like, I wanted more. I didn't get more. Um, Like, I think Jack, or I think... Jada clearly won. I think as soon as she did her wig reveal, I was like, you planned, you thought, hit it. Compared to Jada's dress too, Heidi looked like a mother of the bride doing yeah. whatever weird drunk dance she was doing in the corner that no, no one was there to stop her. Yes. Um, that it just, it went how it went. I agree with it. I feel like it was a giant missed opportunity and I'm personally saddened by that runway. There was a lot about this episode that felt like a giant missed opportunity for me, especially the lip sync. I agree with you entirely. Now, Hersela, shout, shout, let it all out. All right. (laughs) Thank you. Um, No, the wig reveal was great because if nothing else, I appreciate a wig reveal that didn't reveal a pussycat wig. That, that, that was, that, that thing was styled. I was very, I was very impressed by that. Um, I agree that, I agree with everything you said about Heidi. And I agree that Jada clearly won. I think I liked this one a little bit more than you did, but that might be because, be because I don't have the, you know, profound personal connection to Prince to compare to. I like, I thought she did like a solid job. She's like, I, this is the second time she's lip synced because the first time was for her win, right? Yes. Um, so I think she... She did the part of the lip sync that was show you want and deserve to be here. And I think she did that. Hearing you describe, like, I'm looking back on the, I'm thinking back on it. And like, okay, I can see that. Like, if you wanted it to capture the Prince energy that I, I will, I, okay, I see, I see what you're saying that it didn't do that. So. I agree with that. And I felt like this was the first time with Heidi. I think Heidi, historically, I've been like, oh, she's not giving us all of it. She's pacing with the song. For me, this week, I was like, that's not how you perform this song um, with Heidi. So I love her. I'm heartbroken to see her go. I love her in the confessionals. I love seeing her as a contestant. I think she has grown and evolved and changed so much, so quickly and adapted so quickly. She's like a totally different person than she was at the start of this episode. Still charming and likable, not like losing anything of herself, but getting experience. It's hard to see her go. It was the right call. Agreed, yeah. Um, Yeah. And I... So, this is something I, I'm excited to talk to the two of you about. I feel like this show started off parroting reality TV, and it was... And sort of a necessary concession is, you're all vying to be the queen who, queen who wins this competition and wins this $100,000. But the reality is, it is more of a launching pad in this industry than anything at this point. And if you're in the top half of the season, you're probably going on to a lucrative career in drag. And I felt like this was the first time where RuPaul sort of broke through the facade and told Heidi, you're a fucking star. You've got it. There's something special to you. The world is going to fucking love you. Move to New York, move to LA, 
get out there. You've got it, kid. And she's never done that before on the show that we have seen. I loved it and I was happy to see the show sort of take that step because I feel like we all know that to be true. Yeah, but, that that goodbye got me like a little bit. Like it was clear Rue meant it. And oh, Rue's pretty good about not meaning things. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Valkyrie, what did you think? Uh, yeah, I mean, it was a very touching moment. I, I think it's very true that what she said to that this is only up for Heidi, whatever her last name is. I, I, I feel like she's, for me, I can see parallels with like a Katya, whereas like Katya pumped it out. People loved her, didn't quite ever, I mean, made it, made it very, very far, but has made an insane career out of it in weird, funny ways that I can see Heidi following a similar path. Yeah. It, it crushes me that no one's performing in bars right now. She should be raking it in. She should have spent last night in a bar in New York or LA having people throw dollar bills at her. Completely. Completely. We all know she would have been at Roscoe's. (laughs) Uh, I love Uh. her. That makes me sad. I just had a, you would have been at Roscoe's to see Heidi hosting. Like, isn't it heartbreaking to realize that, like, I haven't been thinking about that, but that's absolutely true. Um, Yeah. So that was phenomenal. Uh, Do you guys have any other thoughts uh, before we close up this session beyond beyond Heidi is a star? I more just really want to know what the plan is for the reunion and the finale. Like, as episodes tick down, it's just like, tell me something. I, I... I get a Zoom call is probably going to happen for a reunion, but what does the finale look like right now? I wish they would acknowledge that it's still going forward in any way. At this point, I'm like, they haven't said anything, so I'm just going to tune in and see what they did. Um, I, My honest feeling is there are a lot of things you can do. You can do, the, like, they can... There's a lot you can do where these girls are filming themselves at home doing, like, an interview with Rue, a tele-interview with Rue. They can do a, like, a little production thing. There's there's lots that actually can be done and can have already been done that they are, that they can have already produced and be ready to go while everybody is in lockdown. Yeah. That is totally doable. That my honest feeling is, I'm just going to tune in. Like, I would love to know, but I'm also fine with the fact that I don't because I feel like if it was just not going to happen, they would have said that by now. Yeah. And, you know, the the Zoom calls have been getting better. They did a little Parks and Rec reunion episode that was shockingly effective for being nine people on a Zoom call. So, you know, it's 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 possible. And And, well, I mean, the thing is, if it ends up, it's like Sherry's out. And I, I don't like the Four Queens finale. Ag- agreed. Um, if they end up doing it where it's like, recap of the season that we've edited in lots of ways that we're interstitching, interviews with the various queens, including the top queens, but their Zoom calls, and they all have like a whatever color screen behind them, that's fine. And then it's three the three queens in the top that are not Sherry, each at home have like a background curtain and do like a choreographed like performance to a song that was written for them or something and that is like broadcast and we watch those interstitial like 
I don't know. I feel like they can do things that will entertain me all in this lockdown. Yeah. Like, it's doable. So I'm not, like... Yeah. It, I guess, to me, it's not like you can't do any of this. It's bound to be a catastrophe. I, get, I, I agree. I think it's all doable. I think it can be successful. I think, too, it's, like, I don't... Re- I'm not excited for the next episode because I have so many questions about the finale that, like, it's more of a let's get through it Let's see what they do so that I get some answers to the finale. I suspect it's going to be a lot less different from a standard finale than I think a lot of people are afraid of and speculating right now. I think. I, I guess, too, like, there's so much more they could do with it, too. Like, I don't think the Drag Race has been the most adaptive television show, um, as we saw with UK, where they didn't really embrace drag, UK drag culture in it. So, how. How I, I don't want them to just do the planned finale over a computer. I want them to embrace the opportunity that there is in this weird quarantine finale. You know, I hate to say it because I'm going to get emotional talking about it. I feel like if the show wanted to dig deeper, they could probably do something really profound and real. Like, not for the first time the queer community is living through a pandemic. And I feel like they're like if the show want like I'm just spitballing here, but just I think you could do a really interesting hour, two hours of television highlighting, you know, how we're all still trying to take care of each other and how we're all getting through this together. Like acknowledge what we're all going through and how the queens are still making beautiful art for all of us to consume and how we should still be giving them money. I think they're if the show wanted to make like a broader point about, you know, we've done this before and we're, we'll do it again with with drag with drag to celebrate to get us through all of the all of the crap we have to deal with um i think the show could really be something not not just like serviceable but like earth shattering like some, something that could really stand as like one of the pieces of art that came out of this thing sorry yeah that, that got that that went to a place i'm sorry that's it yeah Th- there's nothing to apologize for there i don't I don't think it will go as deep as you alluded it possibly could, but I certainly think that they could touch on it and address it as opposed to ignoring it and trying to do the best production job they can given the confines of this. Um, I'm imagining it will end up somewhere in the middle. They will at least, they will at least peek down the corner of the street you just referenced, I think. Okay. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Just the more I think about it, the more I think you could, you 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 could could do a lot. You could do a lot. Right. This could be the next Paris is burning uh, of drag, like in terms of like what it could tell us about ourselves and hope and beauty and joy in times of crisis. Yeah, I agree. All right. Well, with that, Valkyrie, thank you so much for joining us. I always appreciate and enjoy getting your insights, especially on an episode like this where there is so much room for interpretation. It was like, we knew you were going to be on this episode before we watched the episode. And then when there was like a Prince thing, I'm like, this is perfect. Oh, this same. Is, oh. I was so excited. <laughs> and the one woman show, I knew you would have thoughts on like what constitutes the one woman show. So I was very excited to have you. Yes. It, it's always fun to come on and disagree with you two, Hanks. So <laughs> thank you for having me. You're very welcome, honey. Um, all right. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we will discuss Celebrity Drag Race. Are you experiencing upset stomach after a few weeks of dry foodstuffs, bottom shelf alcohol, and existential dread? 
Worried you're not sufficiently stocked with toilet paper for all the processed foods you've been eating? Hoping to make a nooner with your man, or just the Instacart delivery man, part of your shelter-in-place routine, if only to feel the reassuring touch of another human being once more? Fiber for Bottoms is here to help. Just a few pills twice a day will cling to your intestines like you're clinging to the faint hope that this will all be over soon, and clear your insides out, leaving you fresh as a daisy with only one wipe. You'll be able to stretch that toilet paper until whenever this nightmare ends. It's fiber for bottoms, and it's here to clean out your colon as often as you're cleaning your hands. Why? Because, hey, wouldn't it be nice to feel things again? And we're back, and it's time to discuss Secret Celebrity Drag Race. Uh, but before we do that, I have one thing I forgot to discuss in the body of the episode that I would never forgive myself if I did not bring up. Jada Essence Hall has apparently never seen the Golden Girls. I think she just didn't know who Rose Nylon was. Like, you think she just didn't? It didn't? Okay. But she knows who Rose and the Golden Girls is. Okay. I was just contemplating a world in which I was just thinking, wow, Jada gets to watch the Golden Girls for the first time. That's something I haven't gotten to do in 30 years. I think she's just not the type to bother storing the last names of sitcom characters in her brain. Like, and that's fine. Fair enough. It was just, that was a delightful moment in the workroom. And it just stuck out to me. Anyway. Okay. I, okay. So Secret Celebrity Drag On Race. On the Secret Celebrity Drag Race. Yeah. We absolutely have not imbibed any substances of any kind in the gap uh, during the last commercial break. So we're we're totally focused today. Yeah, right, no, so, we're both in the same headspace we were before. Absolutely. Yes. Uh, so Secret Celebrity Drag, I loved this episode. I can't decide if I love it as much as last week's, or maybe I just love it differently. But I did thoroughly enjoy it. The three celebrities are uh, the, the one that just got me. Uh, Dustin Milligan, he is in Schitt's Creek, and if you haven't watched Schitt's Creek and Condi Nasty, I don't, you haven't watched it yet, right? No. This is the perfect time. It is a beautiful, largely, like, not queer-centered, but like, one of the gravitational poles of the narrative is very queer, and it is just a charming love letter from gifted comedians to the world, and I strongly recommend you watch it. Okay. I'm planning on a day. I mean, the levees are, I love both of them. Yeah. So I should have watched it by now. Yeah. I, I just love, I, I find, uh, Dan Levy posted a picture of his mom on his Instagram feed because it's Mother's Day today. And I was like, finally, I get to see the face of the woman that balanced out Eugene Levy's features in the best possible way. Like just the, the softening of like an eyebrow ridge and a jawline just made a gorgeous human being. And it's, tickles me genetically um anyway dustin milligan delightful man he was and also for all three of them they were all very game the other two were uh alex newell who was on glee and i had to matt look at iceman matt iceman i could not hang on to that name i had to wikipedia uh to i don't it know might why. be pronounced eisman i'm i think it's eisman eisman whatever uh very daddy going on there when he walked in i'm like well sir hello <laughs> um the i saw a facebook f- post of a gay i know who with similar a gay i know who's tasting daddies i get um one of my many boxes anyways this is about me now um he posted matt eisman 
could break my fucking arm. Please push me up against a brick wall, sir. And I, so I knew that there would be an attractive daddy type uh, in this episode. And I have to say, I'm not usually attracted to somebody who looks so wholesome, all-American jock coach. Like, that's, like, white bread is, like, the last thing I look for. Um, but he was very sexy. And I think even though he presents as, like, sort of a heteronormative caricature... Um, I think his, like, respect for and gameness with this, I don't know. I found him really compelling on the show. I didn't know this person at all before, and now I have a high opinion of him, so I hope he isn't, like, a Trump supporter or something. I know, it'd be really disappointing. But I think, and this goes to, I think, all of them over the course of the episode, there was no, like, sometimes they can get the guest star who's like, oh, I support this community, but it feels like that's just what they're saying because their agent said, you should do this show. And I didn't get a hint of that from anyone. Everyone was genuinely game to be here like i believe dustin milligan is a fan yeah for like, sure. <laughs> that, that man has watched this show and it was del- it was delightful seeing like i wonder to what extent like when they brought alex newell on glee it was as a queer character so i was kind of like how will you really it was interesting to see a arc of just because I fit into this one spot in the community doesn't mean drag is necessarily my thing. It was it was it was interesting seeing all three of them. I agree. Uh, the the mini challenge was one of the better mini chat. Like they keep doing this. The, this is the thing people have said about various challenges over Secret Celebrity Drag Race so far is that they've been better than the show has been turning out in recent years. For a quick drag challenge, that like. Because uh, they did that whole, like, put the someone under you to be the legs, and you're, yeah, yeah. like... I forget what season they did it, but it was, like, what? Five, six. six, seven? It was six. It was six. So it was, it's been forever, and it was fucking hilarious. Like, that that just got me. And again, they all chucked themselves into it, which made it delightful. Yeah, no, I, I absolutely agree. Um, I think it, it's fun to see a man who is like a stand-up comedian and athlete who does fit into an archetype that we think of as closer to this. And then I don't know Dustin Milligan, but I do know that any man who looks that generically handsome in a jawline focused way will get cast in personality free characters on the CW. But I think the truth is if you want to be an actor playing that boring archetype of hollow, pretty man is like not engaging. So his larger comment on his, like feeling in some way connected to this, I like I totally get it, and I feel like it's good. To, like the patriarchy and toxic masculinity has negative impacts on all of us, and it's interesting to see these two different men who are not accustomed to this space enter this space gleefully and with respect as competitors and performative artists. Yeah. You know who I thought, when he made that comment about wanting to be something other than just the kind of nondescript, handsome leading man, yeah. was uh, James Marsden. Because uh, you and I have talked about this in our in our real lives, where it's like, he's so pretty and so goofy, he like slides past leading man. He always, like, he's always, like, Liz Lemon's boyfriend was yeah. his like perfect role. And I kind of, like, he's kind of the Canadian James Marston to me now, where I'm like, yeah, you and those cheekbones and that good sense of humor should go do that. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I get that. I, I absolutely get that. Um, the mini challenge was super fun. I thought it was a good way to loosen them up. 
you could see right away that Matt Iceman was extremely nervous because he, like, eye turns bright red when he gets <laughs> nervous. Um, but they all were super game for it. I thought they divvied up. The queen divvy up, I think, was, worked out well to work to everyone's strengths. I think Matt Iceman with needed an artist of kimchi's caliber to make him look like anything other than a man in a wig. And so that was that was a successful pairing, I think, for comedic timing. It was great. And I have to say, having three queens who can absolutely deliver at a roast and three actors who can absolutely deliver at a roast was so entertaining to watch because yeah. they all, it was a roast like you would see on Comedy Central where it was like, all of us know what we're doing. And are going to do a good job. Like, it's not like when I watch Drag Race and I'm like, not all of them have done this. I'm reducing this to, like, the amateur grading curve. This was like, these are all professionals. And they're great. Yeah. Like, I, I kind of love that uh, Dustin picked Nina West because I kind of get it where it's like, if I'm going to feel secure enough to do any of the other challenge, I need this nurturing drag mother protecting me in the workroom. Yeah, I, I, I totally. Kinda, I, I totally got that. Don't me too. My my husband and I were watching it together, and we both said the same thing. Like, like kimchi. If you're really concerned about the physical transformation, Bob. If you're really concerned that it's going to be a comedy performance, as all of these have been. But I feel like Nina can do both and can warmly coach you, and in a way that would feel like a warm hug the whole time. Totally. Um, and I and both of us thought. On the surface, you would pick, you'd think we'd pick one of the other two, but like we both pick Nina, and I get why Dustin picked Nina. Totally, okay. yeah. And um, I will say to Nina's credit, I think she worked well with him and coached him well. I will say he has such a fine featured face that is so like androgynously beautiful that you don't really need to contour everything. You mostly would need to contour the jaw and then focus on just putting makeup on. You could tell Nina did like she did everything you would do for a traditional drag queen contour but if a man already has such small fine features it hypercorrects do you know what i mean like yeah. like the thing with him is you want to contour to shade out and minimize that jaw like so it doesn't look so big and manly but after that you can just do female makeup on him and he's going to be a gorgeous drag queen no he has very fine features yes. um, and if you if you watch it's creek a few scenes with no shirt of beautiful fucking body neither here nor there um the roast itself was great like i did wonder the roast was so good i wondered if they just had writers but honestly even if they did have writers uh the way uh dustin delivered the and as the bathroom walls told me like to deliver the same joke four times understanding the slight changes in temperature to make it build and not yeah. be repetitive even if a writer handed that to him it is still a skill set to deliver that the way he did oh absolutely like he he obviously is an actor like he's done versions of this before where he's paying attention to the audience he knew what he was doing i actually felt like he had the best routine which i frankly just on surface from the top of the episode i would have guessed he would have had the worst routine so yeah uh, I, but they all did good. And I will say, Betty Bordeaux did the best job of portraying, like, it. Who uh, Miss Cookie uh, in season 10. Yeah. That, like, 
straight man who got who was like surprised by how into it they were that was the vibe i was getting from betty bordeaux and it was it was kind of delightful like just this accent like so like my girlfriend just motorboated me and i'm it's kind of hot like i don't know why that just charmed the fuck out of me (laughs) yeah when he looked in the mirror and when when he looked in the mirror at one point he said i'd fuck me and that will be my new ringtone um (laughs) but yeah i it's it's funny because you know we're so used to seeing non-actors shoved into acting challenges that seeing actual actors it's like oh right this is what it looks like when it works Um, yeah (laughs) <laughs> yeah yeah no totally i mean at this point i feel like rue is doing that so much and so many girls coming up don't have acting experience that i'm a little like why don't you just make it a fucking improv school with a challenge at the end and the one who fucks up the worst goes home just really cutthroat um yeah. anyways so yeah i it was a delight what did you think of the three-way tie i thought it was it, it was certainly more earned than the tie in all stars three or All-Stars 4. I I was fine with it. Like, I actually... First of all, I cannot believe that It's All Coming Back to Me Now has not been a prime Drag Race lip sync song. If ever there were a song written for a drag queen, it's It's All Coming Back to Me Now. And I thought they all crushed it. And they all had different takes on it. They all... The, like, they all performed it incredibly well for amateurs. Like, for someone who's never... It's very easy to fuck up a lip sync because it's... It, if you just mouth the words, it doesn't look right because air is not actually coming out of your mouth. Your the your face just doesn't look the same. It's it's not it's not just faking the words. It's a whole performance with your face. Yeah. And they by and large got it. And they had diff they had distinct approaches to the song that especially for a three-way lip sync can be really hard to just connect to because the editing gets so chaotic. But I'm like, I get what all three of you are doing here. And it was charming across the board. Like, I, I was fine. I, I, this is the most fine I've ever been with a tie on this show. <laughs> I mean, it's a one day for charity thing, so there isn't really a winner. I think it was a smart move, given that everybody did a pretty great job. Um, I also yeah. think it would be really weird to do it. You can't do a two-way tie in this. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, so there you go. And I agree with you. I think the lip sync was... A professional singer performs it like somebody who is singing and emoting it genuinely. Matt Iceman did it like he has the stiffness, the gesture, the gesture, the physical presence of like comically straight jock guy, and I think he performed it in a way that felt very like British sitcom man in a dress doing a lip sync, but so well that it was actually funny. Yeah. And then I think Dustin did a classic drag queen performance of it standing on the stage yeah. and i feel like those are three very different lanes and i like they were all so distinct in terms of what they were even doing that it's you can't like it's 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 hard a- to judge yeah apples, apples and oranges, oranges. Yeah. yeah like yeah like i said i won't say this was a better episode than vanessa williams but it was as good in a different way yeah no i enjoyed it a lot what did you think of Nina and Dustin's discussion and of Dustin talking about how, like, there are really restrictive expectations of what it is to be a cis straight man and that this show feels like, like, conceptually drag and this show feels liberating or connects with him? What were your thoughts on that? 
it was it was really nice to hear like I, i'm a big dan savage fan and I, i've listened to his podcast forever and he, and he talks about this a lot where um straight man is defined in the negative it's only the things you aren't it's the things you don't do it's the things you yeah. don't like uh so like i can be a cisgendered gay man and like whatever i want even if i like a traditionally uh heterosexual male thing it's not like well you're not really gay because you like this sport and be like no i like the sport i also like the men and the sport but that's neither you know it, it just i it is very freeing to live outside of that structure because there's no preference or behavior or like that i can have that someone's gonna go oh well you're not really gay because that's just not how gay works and having to co- so i don't have to constantly check myself against does liking this movie call into question my gayness where i get that would it must be exhausting and isolating one of the weirdest saddest things i think about straight men all the time is that the very people who share your experience who are the most like you who are most likely to have experienced whatever it is you're going through are the very people you're never supposed to show vulnerability in front of yep and that just and like as sad and isolating and lonely as it was being a gay kid, being a gay adult is really way better. Um, and it just feels like, you know, and, and I'm not saying it completely erases the privilege and they're still like, I, I, I'm not, I'm not saying they're the real victims here, but there is this, just this element of like, sure, they get to be at the top of the pyramid, but at what fucking cost? Completely. I completely agree with all of that. Um, I do think it's really isolating. And also like, I mean, I have one very close straight male friend, and it's become clear to me that I am, because I am his close gay male friend, I am his confidant, because he will be more emotionally vulnerable with me than he is with the, like, 20 close straight male friends he has. I gotta say, I I was skeptical about secret celebrity drag race from jump and even after the first episode which i am on record as thoroughly enjoying i still expected it to be ultimately a pretty empty exercise uh between last week and this week it's really kind of justified its own existence where it's like and maybe it's only because they have to do one episode and there's no impetus to turn anyone into a villain but they really found a way it's almost like proof of what we've been talking about with uh, the regular season generally. You don't need to manufacture drama yeah. to get a story I care about. You just presented, in the last two weeks, six people who were up and down the line a delight. Yeah. And even and, and the first, uh, it sounds like I'm shading the first week. It was just more of an unknown quantity then. But like in the last two weeks, they really managed to land, let's take a group of talented people, put them out of their comfort zone... But that's all we'll do. Yeah. We, we don't need to do anything else to squeeze a story out of them. And they'll give us a story. And they did. And it was delightful and affirming in this The Darkest Timeline. Yeah. No, for <laughs> sure. I agree with that. All right. Uh, anything else on this episode? Uh, no. I think that's it for me. I think I think we have squeezed all we can out of this uh, three hours of entertainment. (laughs) All right. Well, all right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. Please rate, review, subscribe. Uh, Follow us on Instagram, Reading Drag Race Podcast. Send us a message if you have any inquiries or have any topics you want us to talk about. That's all for me. I've been Condé Nasty. I'm Hersula the Sea Bitch. 
Bye. Bye.